How long is this thing going to take? However long it takes us to do the talking. Welcome to episode 5 of What's Your Jam? Conversations about what makes us happy over a cup of tea and a jam scone. My fifth guest is the one, the only, Mr. Ross Mason. Mr. Ross Mason is my father and he is a scientist, a shooter, a coach um, and a dad. And he's a pretty great dad. Um, I quite like him. He's mine. And I mean, he's my sister's as well, but still. Um, we had a lovely chat. Um, he drove into town and hung out at my house and enjoyed my scones and that was really nice Uh, and it was a really nice time having a chat with him so that was really great Um, looking for a few more guests for this show so if you've got any suggestions of interesting people that would be fun to talk to I am all ears and if you visit whatsyourjam.nz you can tell me about them but in the meantime let's get into this big long chat I had with my dad and I didn't want to edit very much out of it so this is going to be a long episode but my dad's pretty charming so I feel like you'll forgive me. Anyway, here is my dad. Okay, so it's recording, but I can't hear through the mic, so I don't... Oh, no, testing, one, two, three. Hello? Hello? That's better. <laughs> How's this gone, Dan? Did I do okay? Nom, 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 nom. Good. It's recording. We we just this okay. is how it works. Okay. Hey, thanks for coming on. What's your jam, Ross Mason? Oh, thank you, Jen. <laughs> uh, welcome to my studio. I hope did you like? You the know, thing? you're the most famous favorite daughter, don't you? The fa- the most famous favorite daughter. favorite daughter. That's right. Does that mean that the other daughters are just no, not no, as they famous? Are, they are fantastically favorite. <laughs> oh, that was one of the questions. Um, <laughs> Was it, which is your favourite daughter? Which was, I, I was like, I'd get on first. what a great, what a great option. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've done four interviews so far, but now I'm interviewing my dad, and <laughs> this is very funny. <laughs> and um, I'm going to take my glasses off because I'm not looking at anything far away. So your jam is science and physics and stuff. Just background, listeners. Uh, my dad is the dad who, um, for fun, brought home dry ice for us to play with as a fun science trick and and such things and uh, helped us build. Do you remember doing that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You got, your face then looked no, like you were forgetting. And I was I'm like... trying to think what else there was. What else did you do? Um, build kites. Science fears, of Science course. fears. Science fears that were totally done by us. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> Don't tell the judges. It's all right. It was like 25 years no, ago. No, we both did it, Jen. We yeah, both did it. And with Heather. And with Heather. And with Bridget. Did Bridget do science fears yes, too? We all did the science fears. That's pretty great. Playing. I finally, sorry, I'm just going to have a bite of this scone because I finally put jam on the, uh, cream on the jam scone. Playing with lasers. Making, Playing with lasers. Making rainbows with mm-hmm. lasers. That was one of my projects. Um, Heather did a pendulum. Oh, yeah. Sort of swings things. Mm-hmm. What else did you do? I don't know. What was your first science fair project? My first and only science fair project. Only? Yes, was. 19, oh, God, grief, let me think about this. 1970? Mm-hmm. 
1970, Puikei High School, mm-hmm. and went to the Auckland Science Fair and won it. You won I the... won one of the categories, yes, yes. Oh, you won a category of the it Science was, Fair? Yes, yes. I got the princely sum of $30 mm. for the first prize. Could have bought you a house then. Well, thinking about that, the, the rate it was, mm-hmm. when I first... When I started work the following year, or yes, 80 months later, I started on $40 clear a week. So it gives you some idea of the significance. That's a pretty good price, prize money then. Pretty good prize, yes. What was your, what was your project? Huh. And what category did you win? It was a demonstration of the Cavendish experiment, which is a rather ironic given where I am, I work now, mm-hmm. and the big experiment of... Um, uh, what's the word? Trying to change the kilogram, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a um, uh, the the team in the math standards and who else was it? Time standards and, and pressure standards. They built a uh, an experiment to measure big G, which was effectively what Cavendish did to try and weigh the Earth. So you did a repl- replica of the experiment to weigh the Earth. Yes. It was a very and simple that's, one. And that's interesting because of where you work now, which is Measurement Standards Laboratory. Correct. Is that, that is still what it's called. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly was like, oh crap, is that what it's called? That's right. Which means that you're in charge of... I'm not in charge. You're not in charge, but I mean like, not you personally. We look after, we look after the kilogram, the metre, the volt, the ohm, the candela, which is a measure of light. Temperature. What else? That's about it. That's all the things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you look at, and by look after them, you basically make sure that whenever people use those things around the country, they're using, they're measuring accurately. People who bring their gear to us, we mm-hmm. calibrate them to this, what you might like to consider the best accuracy in the country. Mm-hmm. And then they go away and calibrate their probes and mm-hmm. their sensors and moves on down the chain all the way, mm-hmm. sometimes all the way but down to getting your temperature measured in the doctor's. So you're how yes. people get measured properly. Yeah. What fun. <laughs> Some might say Sometimes it's, it's fun. boring as yeah. <laughs> awful. Right. But Dad, you're allowed to swear. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> boring as shit. Boring as shit. But <laughs> the science of metrology demands patience mm-hmm. and an eye and ear for gotchas. What is possibly screwing this measurement up? Mm-hmm. There you go. So, like, when you do it and you go, that's not right, why isn't it right? Yeah. What's happening? That's right. Right. And it's metrology as mm-hmm. opposed to meteorology. Mm-hmm. Met- metrology. Great. Metrology, yes. Metrology. Mm. And have you always been interested in measuring things? <laughs> or is that just where you ended up? Like, how did you end up there? Well, I'll go back way back to Dimdark. So I started off at DSIR as a technical trainee in, oh gosh, 72. Mm-hmm. And DSIR became DSIR, IRL, became DSIR became Industrial Research Limited. And then, or some of, one part of DSIR mm-hmm. became Industrial Research Limited. Mm-hmm. Then it got gobbled up by Callahan Innovation. Yeah. And then the Measurement Standards Laboratory was created about 1992, just after the formation of the Crown Research Institutes, of mm-hmm. which IRL was one of them. Mm-hmm. But I went around a number of different sections in DSIR, electronics, biophysics, heat transfer, uh, nuclear sciences, what else, acoustics. So I got a fair good background in sort of what was going on around physics and engineering laboratory. Mm -hmm. And then um, I left there and uh, joined a company that sold scientific gear and I serviced their equipment. Mm-hmm. What else happened? 
At some point, you were self-employed and you had the Ross Mobile. Uh, five years after that, I, 1990, I left. Christine and I both applied for jobs, and her job came back first. And mm-hmm. so I decided to, or we decided, she went back full-time, and I went to become a house husband. Looking after, Was it 1990? 1990, looking 1990. after Eugene yeah. and Heather and, and Bridget. Bridget. Three kids under five, one under six, I think they were. Because by six. 1990, I was six. You were six, yeah. yeah. So... That's, and that's when you became the house dad. Yeah. The house and then a few years after that, people heard I was around, so they got me to do more servicing and more servicing. And then I got a contract to work, do a, do a bit of work in temperature standards, measurement standards laboratory, and the job came up there, and I applied and got, got the it. job to help set up humidity standards there. Ooh. And since then, you and mum have worked at the same place. We, well, the same campus. Same yes. campus, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so mum and dad drive to work together. We do. And have lunch together every we day. We do sometimes. It's quite lovely. <laughs> and I used to work there briefly. I worked in the IT team. Because nepotism. Hmm. No, Jennifer was good. I was really good. I was really good. <laughs> I got the job because they needed someone to do some testing. And so I came in for a summer job to do some testing. And then I ended up cleaning out a cupboard. And then somehow I ended up with a job. Working at a different team and not under mum. So that was good. That's how you get jobs, is just be the person that cleans out the cupboard. <laughs> Life advice from Jenna Sullivan. Um, good. And then, of course, in, the, in between all those, yes. in the first, I spent, we spent a year in Canada uh-huh. at Canada Centre for Remote Sensing. Yeah. Oh, then, did you work in Canada when yeah, you were over there as well? Yeah, I worked yeah, right. for a year. Mm-hmm. I got the Commonwealth Technicians Travel Award, which paid for my FBS and CSIR paid Commonwealth for my... Technicians Travel Award. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That paid for the year fare. Yeah. And then DSI paid for the salary plus the allowance if you right. go to see. And did mum work while you were there as well? No, she couldn't get a work visa. But ah. she did, you know, quote, menial tasks, unquote. Babysitting and oh, house right. cleaning for... Under the table sort of stuff. Mexican hireage, yes. Mexican hireage, what? People, the reason why people like Donald Trump hire Mexicans to clean oh, their hotels. Because yes. they're dirt cheap and they don't pay tax. Yeah, yeah. Because they're terrible humans. Donald, not the... Mexican people. Um, <laughs> and then you guys rode your bike, bikes across Canada, mm-hmm. which was amazing. So you worked for ages and then you rode across Canada. Yep. And that was in what, 77? 77. Yeah. You hear Molly? Molly's scratching at the door because she knows we're in here. But I've locked her out because last interview, she spent most of it attacking my ankles. Okay. And it was really painful. <laughs> nice scones, by the way. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> the first batch were not as good as these ones, but I'm really proud of these. My dad is the cook of the house, everybody. So if Dad says good scones, that's actually pretty great. I'm pretty pleased. Tell Nana. Tell Nana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to learn how to make sponge drops next. You do. We had five this, five tonight. You had five sponge drops? Well, we were supposed to have a lunch yesterday. Oh, yes. But we didn't because we dramas. Didn't. Dramas. We had all sorts of fun dramas. Anyway. Yeah, yes. um, uh, and a 12 months in Antarctica. And 12 months in Antarctica, which is pretty massive. Scott but, Base. And that was 81. 81, 82, yes. Yeah. Is is it because when you went down, you couldn't come back in between, Correct. could you? No. So you go down, you stay there for you're the stuck, year. You're stuck there for the year. Is it like that now? Is it still like that? Technically, yes, for the winter rower team. Oh, okay. I don't, I, I don't think they come out. I, I don't know. I haven't been keeping up. But it's probably quite intensive to try and get people out of there. Like uh, it's a lot easier time. now because they've got a uh, hard air, airport there now, hard ground airport instead of the ice runway. They can actually oh. land on land. How did they make it? Did they build one? Or they built one. Right, okay. So so they, before that, if you flew in, you landed on ice. Yep. Oh, but at least it was dry because it's the driest place uh-huh. on earth. 
I know that. I know that. Thanks, Dad. Um, and what did you do in Antarctica? Apart from, you know, skinny dip. You did that, right? Yeah. He nodded. Mm-hmm. He nodded, listeners. <laughs> Never nod on a radio interview. Yeah, nodding's not helpful. <laughs> but you... but you. Yes, I'm a, I'm a paid-up member of the Vanda Swim Club, Lake Vanda Swim Club, mm-hmm. where you have to walk from the mess in only your... Um, Mucklucks, which are the uh, boots. Mucklucks. And uh-huh. down to the water's edge, you take your mucklucks off, an invisible uh, visual uh, of envision of a vandal who is a permanent Vanda Station resident. You must fully immerse yourself under the surface of the water and be seen to be under the water. Oh, and then you can get back out and you can walk back up and get dressed. What was it like? Cold. Brisk. <laughs> Brisk and Nought cold. degrees C. Zero degrees. Well, because it's liquid, so it's definitely, it's not freezing water, but it's close it's to nought it. It's degrees C. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> it's bad enough trying to go for a swim in Wellington. I did not bother going for a midwinter dish, midwinter swim. It's got base. They cut a hole in the ice and mm. threw people in with a rope. Oh, yeah. So they didn't accidentally go under the ice and disappear. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it might be useful to pull them back out of the Get again. out of the, yeah. 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 Unless you're trying to get rid of somebody, in which case turn them into a little ice block and then bring them back. But what were you... So apart from jumping I was in the working, ocean... Sorry. I was working at <laughs> Scott, Scott Base in the, in, the, in the laboratory there and I was looking after the Worldwide Seismic Network, mm-hmm. which was for the Americans, and the rest of the world, one could say. I was looking after the mag, measuring the Earth's magnetic field mm-hmm. and uh, running a experiment that had seismometers scattered around Mount Erebus listening to the volcano ah. trying to track where all the magma was coming up so we out like whether it was gonna no no blow just, anywhere just or trying just, to figure out where all the uh, all the channels were where the magma was coming up to the to the lake and just for the sake of knowing it or yeah, it was run by Victoria University oh yeah it's the Ray Dibble who's Ray Dibble Ray Dibble Ray yeah. Dibble yeah Raidable sounds like something like mandible, like mandible, like it's some sort of body part of the monster. Yes. <laughs> so I became I, I was a DJ on Friday nights at the American <laughs> Armed Forces. Yes. What, what did yes. you play? Oh, all sorts of things. Well, I was also there when the Falklands War was on. Now, here's a funny story. It's a bit of a, a funny story about the Falklands yeah, War. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of <laughs> bit of, bit of humour because um, every morning the guy, the DJ in American at McMurdo would read the news because mm-hmm. Americans love telexing the news mm-hmm. and they'd talk about the British doing this and the Argentinians doing that and, and and Britain was seemed to be winning the war mm-hmm. so I rang up and asked for a request yeah g'day Ross he said yeah yeah what would you like Ross I said uh, could you play me don't cry for me Argentina and there was this deathly silence on the end and they uh, I'm not quite sure I could do that, Ross. Um, this uh, I think we'll play something else. Yes, it's a lie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You're <laughs> such a shit stirrer. <laughs> anyway, five minutes. I, I found out afterwards, it was less than five minutes after we hung up, the officer in charge of McMurdo and the radio station manager came down and they went through the record collection and took out all 13 versions of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. <laughs> so that was off the playlist for the next six months. <laughs> Good one, Dad. Good one. <laughs> I suppose they would have given someone a chuckle. Mm. Oh, gosh. That's hilarious. It's so difficult. <laughs> um, I asked a whole bunch of people uh, for questions because I said, I'm interviewing my dad. Who wants to ask my dad about science? 
and you started answering some of them on Facebook, and that's not how this works. Oh, okay, you have sorry. to answer it here. Um, uh, I got some on Facebook, and I also got some on Twitter, which I think you haven't seen because you do have a Twitter account. If anyone Apparently. wants to follow my dad, you made the Twitter account. I, I didn't did. make it. I, yeah. I just I just tweeted I, your content that people liked. I couldn't activate it on my Apple phone, so I gave up. Technology. Uh, no, I forgot my password. That's a to the pain Twitter in the account ass. or to the iTunes? And you can't reset it? It's a pain in the ass to reset the Apple password. It we can really fix it. Is. I'm sure we can fix it. Okay, carry on. You're usually really good at tech, you and <laughs> mum, because long history of, of that thing. Okay, so here's, here's some questions. We'll, we'll go through them quickly because there's quite a few of them. Um, what is more science? Science or two science? What is what? <laughs> what is more science? Science or two sciences? That's a weird question. I who know. Wrote, who asked that? Uh, Smalley Biggs. Oh, thanks, Smalley Biggs. <laughs> who is your favourite science doer? Oh, there's a couple, of course. Yeah. Is Feynman be... one of them? Who? Richard Feynman. Yeah, Feynman? No, yeah Feynman's good. Yeah. Um, Carl. Carl Sagan, Carl Sagan, of course. And who never ever said billions and billions of stars, by the way. What do you mean? He never said billions of stars. Is that a quote that yes. people... What's the... A tribute what's, to him. What's the quote about... What do you mean? He billions just, and billions of stars in the universe. It was some quote that he... Oh, but he never said it. He never said it, no. Okay. But anyway, be that as may. But he's a good dude. Yeah. And then Richard Feynman's Feynman's good. I mean, you read some of his stories about him being in Los Alamos and picking locks and... Oh, yeah, that one. Things. Him, him working out how to break into safes. And having the trying to trying to tell the guys at the in the security that there was a hole in the fence, so he would walk out through the hole in the fence, go down to the gate, come round, and sign in, and he'd do this sort of half a dozen times a day just to the hell of it, and go just through to the gate, straight, and come back in. And every time you go past, he said, "There's a hole in the fence. There's a hole." In the, he told them a long time. There's a hole in the fence. They <laughs> and they didn't. How long did they figure fix? out? They took a long time. <sighs> he sounds like you. No, no, no. He couldn't possibly be me. Why? Well, I couldn't possibly be him. In what way? Oh, he's, but he's too good. <laughs> like scientifically or like taking the piss? Yeah, no, taking the piss. <laughs> um, what was the book? That, the, what's the book of his? Sort of plug sure it. Sure, you're joking, Mr. Feynman. Yeah, it's a good book, everybody. Book. It's really, a really interesting one. Um, that's good. Any other fam- favorite science doers? <clears throat> oh, let me think. Um, not offhand at the moment. That's that's a good enough. That's though. a good enough answer. Those are some good ones. What's the best science fact you know about marine life? The tongue of a blue whale is immense. That's not a fact. That's more of like a like how big is it? Oh, it's a, it's half. It's two trucks or something crazy. It's tons. It's, it's, it's measured a, in tons. And it's a tongue. Yeah, the tongue. That's a good fact. Uh, do you have any science friends and or science enemies? I have lots of science friends. Good. Science enemies? No, no, there's, there's no such things as science enemies. Although a lot of people get pissed off with sciences because they have a tendency to always question things. Scientists or sciences? Scientists. Yeah. But you say yeah. bad scientists or bad med... He said science friends or science enemies. Yeah, science so, enemies. That's what I'm talking about, science enemies. I, so I assume you're like, talking about people. I assume so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and someone who's non-science, like, quote, administration, 
at work, etc., and things like that, they get quite disturbed. Oh, like your bosses? My bosses, etc. Disclaimer. Our, our all, bosses. All, all father's uh, opinions are his own and do not reflect those of his employer. That's right. But <laughs> yeah. bosses in the bureaucrats have a tendency to, 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 to not take this questioning as um, legitimate sort of requests for information. They're taking it as an affront to their them telling us what we should be doing. Right. So they say, you should do X, Y, Z, and you go, but why? why? <laughs> You're like a four-year-old. That's, scientists are four-year-olds. Four-year-olds are scientists. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty good. So those, if, if anything, upper management no, are your scientists. Good point. <laughs> All right, next question. Have you ever thought about opening a jar company? Um, no, 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 I can't say I have ever wanted to open a jar company, although if, Carrie, if she carries on making scones, I might have to make more jam to put on top of the scones. Yes, please. When do you make jam? How often do you make jam? I made, well, I've made jam in the, in the past, when we used to have plum trees. Oh yeah, plum jam. Plum oh. jam. The plum trees are gone though, aren't they? They have. Very did sad. they die or did they, they just, did. yeah, oh. Can you plant some more? I could. You should do it. In fact, I've actually planted a cherry tree. Where? On the driveway? Out the back. Whereabouts? I'm not going to tell you. You'd climb it. I would not climb it. <laughs> i climb the koi You'll trees. see it when it grows. Okay, great. What kind of cherry is Is there a particular kind of cherry? C-H-E-R-R-Y cherry. Good spelling, Dad. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> Jenny Stenhouse has a question for you. Did you, did you already see it? How much wood would a woodchuck wood, chuck wood, wood, if wood a woodchuck could chuck wood? And what would be the volumetric dimensions of its wood pile? And is using a woodchuck to chuck wood economical? Well, <laughs> eight cubic meters of wood delivered to my place was about nine hundred bucks three weeks ago. Of which I feel is it you are you ringing? No, you got a message. Yeah, You're okay. Um, <laughs> which I which I packed into the wood wood pile that night by yourself by myself in about three hours. Oh. So I'd say Woodchuck was able to look after about eight cubic metres. There you go. There you go. And is it, is, it a, is it economical to use a Woodchuck or is it better to use a Ross Mason? Oh, me, of course. Yeah, dead over there. Someone called Eben Forey. Eben, yes. Ask him about. Ask him about the Ross Mason wind wheel and hmm. his favourite flavour of ice cream. What's the wind Cherry wheel? Cherry ice cream. Cherry ice cream. Great. It's not rum and raisin. Cherry ice cream. When there's cherry ice cream, it is cherry. Uh-huh. I went to America in 2015 to Ohio, yeah. a place called Port Clinton, where Camp Perry is, and we went to the Long Range World Championships, mm-hmm. shooting championships there. And every day it was stinking hot, we'd come back via the ice cream shop, of mm. which there was God knows how many flavours, so I was determined to try... like a Baskin-Robbins kind of thing? Like a Baskin-Robbins. But after about four days, it was cherry ice cream. All the time? All the time, yes. Good work. It was terrible. It was terrible. Well, mm. You mean like, oh, just awful. awful. Oh, the worst. Awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the wind rose. Wind the wind wheel. what? Wind, wind wheel. Wind wheel. Who is Eben? Eben's a fellow shooter. Oh, okay. We'll talk about shooting in a second. But yeah, great. The wind wheel. The wind wheel. So when you're long range shooting, the wind has a tendency to sort of pick up the bullet and throw it sideways. Mm-hmm. You have to estimate how far the bullet's going to throw it sideways and then adjust the sights to compensate for that then shoot the bullet, the rifle, so that the bullet... Hits the middle of the target, ideally. Right. So I figured out a, a, a graphical way of showing 
how much to alter the sights by. Is this what you wanted Joe to make an app of? Yes. And it's just a picture. That's slack husband of yours for the last two years I've been asking it's, to fix up this bloody it program it doesn't need to be an app I don't care what the hell it is <laughs> I just want something so I can deliver to someone and they can make their own is it just a picture you can send them isn't it correct so they, they can make their own picture because different rifles move the bullets different amounts oh okay I s- oh Okay, I right. hear you. So yep. if you've got a heavy bullet, it doesn't move quite as far as a light bullet. Mm-hmm. And distances are different, so things okay. like that. Right. Oh, so I might get some action. Great. You might, now that there's pressure. If, if there's anyone out there that wants to talk to my father about uh, designing this app or helping him communicate this to other shooters, <laughs> get in touch. <laughs> I've been threatening to write, learn to write it myself. So you should. Yeah. I might there's do so it many Code Academy things. Yeah. You can totally do it. Uh, Jerome Chandrahasan asks, favourite daughter? All Which we addressed before. All of them. I'm the favourite favourite. Did you hear one. that? <laughs> All of them are the favourites. Uh, the funniest Mason, the daughters or mum Mason? No, mum, mum has got an interesting sense of humour. Mum being your, yeah, your Mrs. Christine. Yeah, yes, Christine. Chris does. I think... Um, Heather's probably the the, the, the meanest humorist. I she's suspect, the one. Isn't she? I feel like she's probably the one most like you. Yeah, in terms she probably of, isn't it? <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> I've probably made the, made the most money off being funny. That'd be true. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but Bridget's commented that Nan is the funniest, which is probably pretty. Nan is pretty great. Um, Nan is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aunt Barb says, "When are you going to sell your 1973 Yamaha TZ two five zero A?" And what's the answer? Nineteen seventy four. Nineteen TZ, Yamaha TZ250B, actually. Ah. Oh. Racing bike. Never been started. Never been started. Never even had petrol put in it. Never had petrol put in it. Where is it now? It's at Uncle Dave's place. Oh, yeah. This Uncle is a Dave, bike that... Uncle Dave and I went halves on it. Yes. Yes. And, um, oh, it might be it might be worth about £15,000 at the moment. £15,000. Oh, yeah. It cost us $2,800. That's pretty cool. Still vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on your lap because then when it vibrates, it won't it won't make the table shake. Um, I my favorite slash least favorite thing about that bike is the Bridget's story about being woken up by you at like eight a.m. in the morning, climbing onto the bike when it was sitting in our lounge for however long, and, and waking it. her up by going. <laughs> it's always a fun thing to have. So that's lounge. our retirement. That's our retirement thing. But I mean, I've. I remember when I was a kid reading about this guy who bought a brand spanking new car, mm-hmm. drove it down the road to a warehouse and parked it there and mm-hmm. left it there. It mm-hmm. had about three miles on the clock. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be neat to have something like that? And this bike turned up, arrived at the right time, and then this, he said I'd been on to him for a few years, this, this guy had bought it. Mm-hmm. And uh, said, he, he said he agreed to the price, so I got rang Dave and said, you want to go halves? Yep. So we went down there the next day and picked it up. Yeah. Had seven years of dust on the bits seven of it. He pulled it apart. The, literally the day he shipped it home, he pulled it apart, laid it out on newspaper, and we we cleaned up seven-year-old newspaper, all the bits and pieces of it, and mm. rebuilt it and put it back together. Mm. And it's just been together and unused. Yep, it's been, so. in, been in probably three museum uh, displays now. And it's not currently in one? No. Did you want it to be in one? No, we'll Only see. if people need it. If people want it, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Aunt Barb says, favourite sister-in-law. Oh, Barb. 
Bob. Bob, what can I say? <laughs> what can I say, Bob? <laughs> All right, there's more silly questions. <laughs> we're going to go through these silly questions and then we're going to talk about shooting because that's been big. If you could be prince of any land, which one would you pick? <laughs> Iceland. Iceland. Okay. Looking back on your life, what superpower would you have liked to have had and why? There was a movie a few years ago with, um, was it Mel Gibson? I can't remember who the hell was it. Was it who, What Women Want? Was that the one he could hear the thoughts, read of the women. thoughts of women? Yeah. Do you want that one? <laughs> that would be death-defying. <laughs> why would you want that? Oh, that movie. <laughs> or anybody. I don't, yes, do you want anybody. to be able to read people's thoughts? That, that would be, no, just, just walking around knowing what oh. people were thinking would be absolutely stunning. So you just want it because it'd be funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it'd be hilarious. Um, someone else asked, "What was the inspiration for the beard, and what's the weirdest beard?" Thing? Beard. And I thought he's just always had one. You don't have to. Don't have to get up in the morning and cut your face every morning. Laziness. Laziness. That's right. It's efficient. You don't have to. T- yeah. But sometimes you do shave it. You shaved I do. it. Did you shave it when it started to go all grey? No, not for that reason. Ah, oh. you no. shaved it when your guy won a gold medal. I did. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's talk about shooting now because we keep alluding. Okay. So you have been a small bore, has it always been small bore? Small bore rifle shooting guy. I started small bore rifle shooting in 1971 at Auckland University. Okay. And then came down to Wellington and joined the Wainui Amata Rifle, small bore rifle club mm-hmm. when they started building their rifle range and been shooting indoor ever since. Mm-hmm. And then in 1990, at the Commonwealth Games in Auckland, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, that's 50 metre shooting, isn't it? too bad so i could do that so i had a go and i first first year i went up to the nationals and finished absolutely last mm-hmm. the next year i won oh so it was did quite you practice a or something i did, 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 did a little bit of practice yes. yeah so i made a couple of new zealand oceania teams and shot in auckland and sydney mm-hmm. and then in 2002 paralympics new zealand were looking for a rifle coach mm-hmm. to their paralympic shooting team yeah so for the next, how long? Eight how years? Long eight years. Yeah, I suppose eight years. Yeah. Took a few guys over to Korea for the first trip, and then um, Michael Johnson went over, went over to Munich and got his uh, second qualification score to get mm-hmm. to Athens. Mm-hmm. And we managed to get two shooters to Athens, and I was looking Keep after those it. two. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> And Michael goes ahead, goes away, and wins a wins a gold medal. So that yeah. was uh, that was a big event. That's pretty a awesome. Big event. And then to celebrate, you shaved your beard off. And then that I literally had, I told them that I would shave my beard off if either of them won a medal. Yeah. And literally, a gold one. immediately after the after the medal ceremony, I shot round to the loo and pulled out the blade which I had was carrying in my bag <laughs> and shaved. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There's, I, could, I feel like I could count on like two hands, less than two hands. The number of times. The number of times that, yeah. you've had no beard. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a thing. Beards are great. The 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 best beard though is the one the wedding photo with you and mum and your beard is like as big as oh, your hair. Oh yeah, I know. It's so God, much hair. Jesus Christ! <laughs> how did mum I don't know how the hell I live with the, sh- the, the the hair that long, grimy bloody mess. Because <laughs> you were twenty three. I don't know. 23-year-olds, man. 23. None of your kids are even 23. 
we're all way older than that now. Mm. It's pretty impressive. Um, uh, if you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm, one food. Yeah. I was thinking about that because I saw that. Yeah. And the first answer I had was apricots. Apricots. Mm. Do you know what? You know how you've got a box of apricots at your house? I know. Yeah. I um, I came by today and dropped off here the stuff. I know. And, and nicked a few. Nicked a few. I thought you did because <laughs> I saw the, saw the box was a wee bit empty this morning <laughs> when I got home. I saw them and, and I was cherries. Like, I love cherries. <sighs> I, can, I can eat stone fruit. Stone fruit. Mine's yeah. a nectarine. Bloody nectarines. Really go. good ripe ones. I keep accident, like I bought some the other day and I keep either eating them slightly too soon or slightly too late. I haven't nailed. Roast lamb. Oh. Mm. Okay, now I'm hungry and I've had a lot okay. of scones. I don't need any more. Um, if you had to move and live in a country you've never visited before, where would you go? Uh, it's a Yeah. How many countries have you been to? You've been to a lot of them. Quite a few. Yeah. Where I haven't been. Probably a tropical island somewhere, I think I'd probably go. Have you never been to a tropical Easter, island? Maybe Easter Island or somewhere, you know? You haven't been to an island? No, or? I haven't. Oh, you, you take Hawaii? Home. I flew into Hawaii. Oh, into Hawaii. Flew, flew out? That yeah. <laughs> I got an email just before about um, there's some went, sort of island sale, so yeah. you should, your mum should go. But if I went, wanted to move to another country, it would be Canada. Yeah. So I love the war, I love the cold, I love the heat, I love the trees, I love the cycling, skiing, ice hockey, ice hockey. Great game. Yeah. Did you ever play it? I did. The first time I was ever on an ice skate was in an ice hockey game. What? Were you hilariously bad? I couldn't move. <laughs> I was on three points in the middle of the middle of the ice rink. I the skates and the hockey stick holding oh, yeah. up, you see, and Pummel would hit me the ball and I'd frantically try and hit the puck, sorry. Yeah. And but by the end of the season mm-hmm. I was skating around, slide stopping and scoring goals, thank you very much. On ice skates. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And did you ever play it again after Canada? No. Because there's not really anywhere to play it here. Correct. You can do you can do ice hockey on rollerblades. There's ice hockey in Auckland and oh, yeah. Queenstown and Dunedin, I think. Play and Christchurch, of course. Should I turn up and see if they'll let you play? No, no. <laughs> you still Next. play field hockey? No, I oh. gave up about three years ago after oh. 43 years. There you go. That's pretty impressive. But I did uh, represent Hutt Valley. In ice Hutt Valley hockey? In hockey, that's pretty good. Not ice hockey, regular hockey. Mm. Um, uh, uh, why did you pick the names for your daughters that you did? I have no idea. <laughs> it sounded nice? It sounded nice. Good. That's I a mean, good reason. Jennifer Ellis Mason, Jam. Jam. Jam's nice. And then Heather Robin Mason. Heather. Heather wanted, HRM. Heather was going to be Heather Ellis Mason, Ham. But I got, wait, yeah, no. when was she going to be Alice? I don't know, whatever. Oh, right. Or something, but oh, it was going to be. She was going to be Ham, Jam, Ham. <laughs> Bridget could have been like Bridget Andrea Mason, and then you would have been. Jam, Ham, and Bam. Uh, I thought I thought Bridget Uriah Mason would have been better. Bum. But, yeah. But, but. Thanks for not doing that Never. to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would probably actually be okay with it now. But there'd be Ursula. That. Ursula, not Uriah. Ursula. Ursula. Mm. Uriah is a boy's name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, Inventor, a, don't forget I've been an inventor too, by the way. You've been an inventor. Mm. Oh yeah, what else did you invent? Yeah, what else am I? Wait, let's let. Okay, there's a few more questions. No, what well, we're going to blast through those at the end. What, what did you invent? An eight-channel handheld radiometer. But what does that mean? It means that I could measure reflected light 
affect the radiation off crops and rocks and all sorts of other things in mm-hmm. different wave bands, eight, eight different wave bands. And what does that do? Well, when I worked in PL, I worked in the uh, remote sensing section, which looked after, uh, we looked at satellite pictures, Earth resources satellite pictures, mm-hmm. which sort of took pictures in different colours of the spectrum. And so we built this radio to match, to match the same colours that the satellite was taking the pictures in. Okay. And we also built an aircraft camera, which had four cameras in it, again, which matched filters on them, which matched the satellite pictures. So we had satellite pictures, we had aircraft pictures, and we had people on the ground. So we had three layers of data looking at these crops that mm-hmm. you could see from the satellite, trying to figure out if we could figure out what was in from the satellite picture itself, what was growing on oh, the ground. right, okay. So we managed to sell, these, sell a few of these rounds. In fact, we sold one to NASA. Ooh. And it flew in the space shuttle. And I have a picture. We've got a picture of it being used. <clears throat> but I've been, we, apparently we're having a visit from a shuttle astronaut next month. Oh, at work. At work. Yeah. So I'm going to try and get him to see if he can find out whatever happened to that NASA radiometer. Yeah. And see if I can get it back. So you're, a radiometer that you made, yes. NASA used on a ship. Correct. That's really cool. Yes. Did you yes. invent anything else? No, not really. You made... Target changes I made for shooting, change for but that didn't. It wasn't an invention. That wasn't really an invention. It was just you using stuff already and being like, mm-hmm. yeah, designing things so that people didn't have to change the targets. It could just happen. Push a top. button. Push a button at the shooter's end. Change mm-hmm. the target. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't invented anything else then. No, not really. That's pretty cool though. Like you've invented something that went on a spaceship. Like, that's how pretty. many people get to say that? I mean, a whole bunch of people at NASA, but. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um, oh, what's the best science fact that you think Jen knows? No, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have the foggiest. You'd have to ask her, Jennifer. What's the what's, what's the, the best, best science? What's fact? the best science fact you've got? Uh, oh gosh, the best science fact. Oh, I don't know about best. Like I just know random ones. Water's fascinating. Water's fascinating. Water. I, water's I always thought dark matter was fascinating. Oh, dark matter, yeah, fair enough. But I you, can't, you don't know what it is yet. That's I know. That's what's so cool about it. Mm. I was like the one, because when I used to do physics at school, back when I liked physics, <laughs> before I got a terrible teacher, Mr. Lenson, um, my, I, I think the assignment I did the best on was when I wrote all about dark matter oh, okay. and what it is and well, what we what we think it is and how we think we measure it and all that sort of stuff. We play with uh, quite pure water. We make very pure water, mm-hmm. one to generate humidity in our generators and the other one to make them for um, uh, triple, the triple point cells for calibrating thermometers. Right. So you need we, incredibly pure water. Double, triple, quadruple, what's fifth? I don't know. Quin, quintuplet yeah. distilled Heaps water. Heaps of times. Heaps yeah. of times. Yeah, so. repeatedly distilled water. Yeah, so it's water's fascinating things. Fascinating, you know. It's it's because it, it starts it, when it gets to four degrees, it floats on the top of the water. It, that's right, because it, it's because it, it condenses the colder yeah. it gets, and then it starts expanding again at it four does. degrees, which is why ice floats on water. And yeah. if it didn't do that, then the whole lake would be frozen. Yeah, the Earth wouldn't be Earth. We Earth, Earth wouldn't be Earth. Yes, fascinating stuff. Anyway, 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 water. Do you okay? Question about science. So. The thing that people always look for when, like, when when we're looking out in space and we're trying to work out whether other planets could sustain life, we're always looking for if they have water. Why? 
why couldn't life be sustained by something different? I have no idea if it could be or not. Like, so it could be. You shouldn't ask me this question. No, I'm, not, well, I'm interested is, in what you think about deep. it. Oh. I know, but well, I'm just saying, you know, like... like People have been tried to invent a, um, a silicon-based world instead of a carbon-based world. Yeah. But it, silicon doesn't... Um, uh, what's the word? Mix and match with other right. elements anywhere near as great as carbon. Carbon does, yeah. And the nasty hydrogen bond is even worse. I mean, that's from water. It just sucks itself onto anything. Mm-hmm. So so maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. I don't okay. know. I'm just sort of like, it's such a fluke that we exist at all. Like, no. But, but it's, the, the probability of you existing is one. Because I do exist. That's right. No, so there's no, okay. no, no fluke no, at all. No. You exist. No, no. But, okay. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I know. But you know, like the, we we managed it. We got to this point, like well, you know, however many billion years ago, life happened, and and we've developed this entire ecosystem and everything on this planet. But what's to say that something similar couldn't happen on a, on a different planet that actually doesn't look anything like ours? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. Oh, aliens! I want aliens. That would be great. What's the What's the best science fact you know? Because we did marine life one before, but what's your favourite favourite science fact or thing? I like the water one. You like this, the water this, one. This four degree change in from when it becomes most dense, mm-hmm. and if it's less than four degrees all the way to naught degrees, it becomes lighter, which means it's float. Now the reason what fascinated me about this, I actually did the experiment when I was in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. There was all the question, which freezes faster, hot water or cold oh, water? Yes. Okay, you stick hot water in the fridge or cold water fridge. Well, I had the ideal fridge, minus thirty five degrees. It's a so I got continent. a couple of layers, got a couple of um, buckets of water, liters of water, and stuck thermocouples in the top, in the middle, and the bottom, and tracked the temperature as it cooled down and froze. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it never ever. I, I didn't have enough patience to wait for it to, to freeze totally, so I couldn't. Well, minus I cannot tell degrees. you. I cannot tell you which one actually froze as and dropped below zero, but I could see that the hot one actually cooled faster once it got down to the temperature that the cold one began at. So the original, the cold water was around about twenty degrees. Mm-hmm. Hot water is about sixty degrees. Right. So as the 60-degree one dropped down and got to 20 degrees, the rate of cooling after it got to 20 degrees was faster than the 20-degree one started out. So obviously set up convection currents or something in there. Mm. But when it got to 4 degrees, I thought I'd made a mistake because the hot one, the top one became the... Um, uh, which way around is it? Hot. And the bottom one became cold. Anyway, the temperatures flipped. There was this chaotic flip of the water and the, the top water change with the bottom water mm-hmm. and, and it's always fasc- that's a degrees. fascinating fact that, uh, that I, it's always fascinated me that that effect can happen mm. there you go good fact good fact i've always been wanting to to do the experiment again so I just, it cracks me up that you couldn't wait for it to properly freeze yeah, like what else did you have to do in antarctica well, well the bar opens at five o'clock <laughs> drunk instead of finishing your Well, the bar opens at 5 o'clock. It's the only rule. All right. All right. There's no closing. Just bar opens at 5 o'clock. There's no closing time? No. Why? I don't know. To keep you lot under control. 
I'm assuming it closes at we some point, but it's just, ourselves. it closes when you stop drinking. Yes, right. that's right. Yeah. That's pretty good. I don't <laughs> think it's like that now. We're civilised. It's probably much more sensible. The 80s were a hedonistic time. <laughs> okay, I've got a few more questions. Um, I've got, in your opinion, what's the best dad joke you've pulled off? That's from Bridget. Bridget oh, asked that no. question. No, God, I, my memory for jokes is terrible. You want to enter the pun competition, terrible. though. I know, I'll be panicking, I'd panic. Well, I think you should enter the next one. You've got six months to get the courage. I reckon you'll get supporters after this. Carry on. Okay. Um, uh, was there a teacher who got you interested in science? Yeah, John Moyer. John Moyer. John Moyer, he was a science a physics guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I got well, I got a cane one day for calling him a dork. But that's okay. <laughs> Is that the one where he was like, you know, I have to do this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he gave, he became uh, principal at Aotea College, I think, or Porirua College, or somewhere up there for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm, there cool. And did he do anything in particular to get you excited in science, no. or was he just a good teacher? He let me be lab monitor. What a fool! Is that true. true. <laughs> I cleaned out the sulphur and the carbon and the, and the uh, saltpeter and built lots of um, gunpowder. Did you? <laughs> At school? At school, yeah. What did you do with it? And the other says, oh, potassium iodide, I think. This is something or other, the stuff that you never let dry because mm-hmm. it blows your fingernail off if you flick it off your duster. Oh. Put, it under, put it under toilet seats and when it crushes, it explodes. You little shit. Mm-hmm. So, is that what you did to people yeah, in school? So, so? So? What are you going to do? Give me detention? <laughs> <laughs> What's the most memorable ex- or exciting experiment you've been involved in? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Mm. Um, when we're calibrating, when we're calibrating thermometers, we use very pure metals and we melt them and when they start to freeze... They stay at the freezing temperature for quite a long time, like 10, 12 hours. And the temperature doesn't change. It changes less than a twentieth of a thousandth of a degree, okay, okay. Over, those, over that time. You can keep it at that temperature. And mm-hmm. so because it's so stable, they use them as, as what they call fixed points for calibrating standard platinum-resistant thermometers. Well, part of the black, black art of these things is getting them to freeze correctly, okay? Mm-hmm. Getting the metal to begin to freeze. And uh, I figured out a, uh, a trick that um, froze it better than, well, we think it freezes it better than what other people have been using. So that was a neat neat little outcome. What's, what was the trick? Uh, what you do is you bring the metal down to just above the freezing point and then you'd stick some cold rods down inside the cell to force the inside of the metal to, to freeze and put a layer of frozen metal on the inside. Ah, right. So it would, get, it would sort of freeze from the inside and the outside. So freeze from the inside out, yeah. Ah, okay. That's pretty clever. You're pretty clever. Yeah. You're a smart one. Um, two more questions. From your experience at school, what approach would you take in getting students interested in and working in science? And is it... My in addition to it, and is it similar to your coaching approach with, with kids and shooting and stuff? Because you, do you still coach at Tyler College? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
get them to play with things. Mm-hmm. Self-discovery is a thing. And uh, in, in the days when I was at high school, everyone did the experiment. Mm-hmm. But now with health and safety, it's more of a demonstration now. Is it? As opposed to letting the kids rip the hell out of the place with ball bearings or mm-hmm. chemistry or blowing into the Bunsen burner pipe and watching the, the demonstration at the front go out. Because you blow the, literally blow the blow the Bunsen burner out. Was that was that part of the experiment, or was that you messing oh, no, with the that experiment? Was, that was us messing with the experiment. <laughs> and you can't beat an explosion to get people interested, and if you, especially if you make your own explosion and build your own bit of exploding powder, you become interested. Believe me. <laughs> so I mean, you... I have I built a a, a lemon gun. You know, the, the little, yeah, so good. The potato great. cannon. Potato cannon. Yeah. Used to haunt the uh, the the Christmas family Christmases with blowing, throwing up um, water cannons and using them for um, water cannons or water, lemons, water, water, water bombs, water, water bombs. Yes, and lolly scrambles, great for lolly scrambles. So this is this is the cannon where you have like a, a big tube and a little ignition and you, thing and on you the puff, inside. Puff underarm deodorant into it. Oh, you, you'd you like spray links in spray it. Spray links into it and then close, close it all up <laughs> and get a lighter and hit the button and go. You could shoot it. How far could you shoot a lemon or a potato? Oh, two hundred meters, easy. I feel like it was more than 200 metres. Okay, 300 metres. <laughs> Quite a long way. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was a really long way. Yeah. And you, you did the one where you just shot a lemon straight in the air, and then when it came down, just... <laughs> and the whole backyard just was like, hmm, smells all <laughs> lemony fresh. Hmm. <laughs> it was a hell of a lolly scramble. Okay, the last question I've got is, what advice would you give your daughters? Pick the age at which you'd give it. And then Andy suggested don't ride bikes, but <laughs> what? But a motorbike? Not just in general. Bridget broke her foot on a bike. You, you and Mum both have bikes. Saying, forget the bikes. Uh, Christine had a bad motorbike. Mm. That, that was when I was in Antarctica. She got. Did she fall off while you were away? Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, so God. this was April. So there was no way we could get home. Nothing. Mm. It was just a Sunday night telephone call to say that um, she had broken. Broken her, her ankle, wrist. Broke her ankle. Being knocked out. Did she break her ankle as well? Broke her wrist. wrist. It was wrist, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, so it was a bit of bit, uh, bit scary. I managed to survive my motorbike riding. Mm. I've always maintained if you can survive two years on a motorbike, you become a good defensive driver. Yeah. Dodge out of the way. But worst, my worst motorcycle incident was riding into the Mangaweckers when it was nice and windy. And going around the first left-hand corner too much, and slid around and and took the skin off my ass, Ooh. and rode all the way to Auckland with no clutch, and the headlight lens broken, dodging black cattle around the back of Taupo, getting to Auckland, and pulling my knickers off, and taking out all the skin which had coagulated the blood. <laughs> that was not pleasant. Oh. I'm anyway. going to put a, put a yes. warning at the beginning to be like, right at the end, we're yeah. going to talk about gross blood <laughs> stuff. Uh, but the advice. I used to ride do, race motorbikes as well. You, I did, you, did two six-hour bike races for some crazy reason. Whereabouts? Which was great. Manfield. Fielding. Where's Manfield? Fielding. Oh, okay. Six-hour yeah. races. And a couple of years before that, we, a few of us got together and did the Shell 500 road trial, which is 500 miles in 24 hours around Auckland and all Waikato and North Auckland following instructions turn left here turn right there etc twice I came second and once I won it 
So that's pretty good. It was quite neat. But but advice. Because uh, the question was Sorry, what advice? What was advice? Advice for your daughter. Advice for your daughter. Choice. Make sure you give yourself choices. Yeah. Options. Options. Always have options. In general. In general. In yeah. general, have yeah. options. Yeah. If you're going to do it, you've got a choice. Either you do something, you you do do the choice, or you don't do it. But if you make Whatever you do, you've made that choice and you've got the consequences are coming. So figure out what the hell the consequences are and then figure out the choice. And give yourself a choice. That's pretty nice advice. That's good. You're still here? I'm still here. I've survived. (laughs) I've survived. I've made it in one piece. I've done really well. I have never had an operation. Heather and and Bridget. Yeah. It doesn't help that they played hockey. True. Anyway, I'm the least in the wars. But yeah, it's pretty, Dad's looking at his watch. So we've had a pretty good long chat. And uh, um, uh, often with the, I've been I've been plugging things for people. But I don't think I have anything to plug for you. You don't have anything. Come and try shooting. Come and try shooting, says Dad. Why <laughs> no shooting club? If you want to try Why a rifle club, yes, Burton Avenue. This is small ball rifle shooting. Ball so rifle. this is lying down in your tummy. You've got a rifle and you've only got one bullet at a time. There's a it's rifle. about yeah. target shooting. There's a rifle, rifle range in Russell Terrace, just mm-hmm. this side of the hockey stadium up on the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, one in end of Jackson Street down in Petoni. Mm-hmm. They shoot it all days, all Monday to Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And no, Mondays to Wednesdays, sorry. And one in Upper Hut in Maystone Park. That's pretty go. good. And so, and if the you full want... ball shooting where I shoot now, oh, yeah. Trentham, oh, yeah. out to a thousand yards. Heck of a shootings. Mm. So, if you want to be we... coached by a, an Olympic, an Olympic uh, shooting coach, <laughs> and we're holding the world long range world champs in two thousand and nineteen. And Trentham? And Trentham. That's pretty yes, cool. Yes, yes, yes. So. Great. There you go. Well, they can they can do some Googling. I'll find some links. I'll put them up in the, because uh, we can put it in the description. But, um, hey, thanks for coming to have a chat, Dad. Thank you, Jen. Nice guns. Oh, good. That was my dad, Ross Mason. A uh, pretty, pretty lovely fella. He liked my scones. I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> you grow up with a dad who's the cook and you kind of want to impress him. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's it's a thing. It's like you like your parents to know that you've, you're have you capable and able to do things. Um, anyway, that was a really lovely chat with my dad. He's gone home now. He's driving home to my house. We've had some crazy family stuff the last few days, so it was really nice to just hang out and talk to him about fun stuff that he likes that was really nice um feedback comments queries uh suggestions you want to pitch things to me for me to promote on the show uh you can visit patreon and look for what's your jam you can visit what's your jam.nz to just check out all the episodes so far bookmark anything that you haven't listened to but you want to listen to later you can subscribe on itunes if you haven't already that'd be really great um that's probably all that i need to say to you today um i hope you are having a lovely tuesday please continue to have a lovely week what's your jam is recorded in wellington and is part of the new zealand fringe festival 2017 music by robbie ellis casual interference and support from molly the cat tea provided by tea leaf tea on manor street jam expertly crafted by Bachmans. This show is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer O'Sullivan, and you can find useful links, more episodes, and suggest future guests by visiting whatsyourjam.nz. 
Thanks for listening.